This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Toby Gabriner is a multi-time CEO and a veteran in the worlds of marketing, advertising, and growth. Today, he is the CEO of Nextrol, where he and his team are building platforms that are changing the lives of marketers everywhere. Using new technology like AI and machine learning, Nextrol is bringing more precision and unity to the entire marketing experience. Toby discusses that and more on this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Toby, what's going on? How are you, Ian? Great to be here. Great to have you on the show. Uh, you know, we have talked about AdRoll uh, probably about 120 episodes ago at this point. So it is fun to have you in talking about all things next role, including obviously uh, ad role as part of that. Um, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into your background. Uh, but first, how did you get started in marketing? By accident, Ian, I uh, came out of school at the height of the dot-com uh, craziness in the late 90s. And uh, was looking for an early stage company to to get involved with. Uh, uh, had a background, got a dual degree MBA, and that's MIS. So I was interested in the connectivity between business and tech, and and uh, uh, got connected into a, a really early stage company that was doing some uh, pretty amazing sort of advertising technology more on the creative side. And uh, which is a long way away, I sort of fell into it by accident. I, I started uh, with that company and uh, eventually we were able to build that company up and was acquired by one of the large uh, advertising holding companies and uh, spent some time uh, there. And, uh, and then uh, over the years, continued to be involved in, in uh, the marketing technology landscape. Uh, so... It wasn't by design, but but I've, I've spent over 20 years now um, running a number of companies uh, in in the sector, and and uh, I think I've kind of uh, gotten gotten pretty knowledgeable about it over the years. Yeah, it was funny as we looked at you know going through your background for the prep of the episode. What an interesting kind of like weaving in and out of this of this industry that has changed so much over the past decade. Um, and it kind of seems like the right place for you is uh, is next role. Can you share a little bit more why you were so excited to uh, to join the team? Yeah, I, I, most definitely. And and uh, you're exactly right. I've I've seen quite a bit of the evolution of, of the sector, uh, and one of the reasons why I've continued to, to to stay in the sector for so long is the fact that it has continued to change and evolve and, and, you know, some pretty seismic, exciting changes along the way. When I first started, uh, you know, automated or uh, RTB type advertising didn't exist. Um, a lot of the kind of, uh, you know, marketing platforms that we see today um, in terms of what they can do with data and insights didn't really exist. Um, so there's just been a, a just a myriad and ongoing 
uh, fluidity of changes that, that certainly kept me excited to uh, remain in the loop. Um, as far as it, it comes to what was a then called AdRoll, um, so I had actually uh, known the founders uh, basically since inception and, and really followed their trajectory over the years and always been extremely impressed. And after my last company, Adapt TV, was acquired by AOL, I spent about a year and a half at AOL and then made the decision uh, that it was time for me to move on and sort of figure out my next adventure. Um, I spent about a year and a half, two years, uh, you know, uh, doing some consulting, investing, sitting on boards. And uh, the uh, my predecessor, Aaron Bell, tapped me on the shoulder at Admiral and said, hey, you know, um, I'm potentially considering uh, moving on at some point and would love to sort of handpick my successor. Would you have any interest in, in learning more about the company? And uh, so I came in as an advisor and it was the best job interview you can imagine. I spent nine months as an advisor. They got to know me. I got to know the company. Long story short, I became super uh, excited about both the number of customers. So um, the, the company is working with over 30,000 customers on a global basis. It was a truly scaled platform, had developed an incredible set of underlying technology and data collection, machine learning, um, performance, uh, and had, uh, was really working towards attribution and some other key areas. And long story short, I just saw the company had already uh, been very successful in one area, which is retargeting, but was starting to really uh, think of itself as more than just a performance advertising operation, but really a marketing platform uh, for thousands and thousands of companies, tens of thousands of companies. Um, and that was just a, a, a really exciting opportunity for me. And, and, uh, and that's what led me to jump in. And so I, I don't know what numbers you, you can share here, but what is kind of like the general scope of the organization at this point? Well, we're about 700 people globally. Um, we are uh, doing um, well north of $150 million in revenue. Um, we are profitable. We're uh, entering into our fourth year of profitability. Um, and uh, I think probably what's even more exciting is, is that we now have three specific business units focused on direct to consumer. So really building out uh, a, a deep marketing platform for um, direct to consumer brands. And uh, about a year and a half ago, um, we launched, actually moving up to almost two years ago, we launched Rollworks, which is focused on B2B marketers. Uh, so we have an account-based platform. Um, and all of that is built off of the same uh, underlying technology, uh, which is all open API, which led us to have a third business unit, our next role platform services, where we have companies that are now building on top of uh, our APIs and able to offer uh, either expanding on their platforms or offer their customers uh, certain capabilities, uh, marketing and advertising capabilities that they don't currently have. So, um, so those are kind of the, the, the top level. Uh, we also uh, have an exciting joint venture with uh, Rakuten in Japan. So our Japanese office is now uh, rolled into that joint venture. So a lot of great momentum, a lot of uh, great things have happened over the last several years. Can you touch on a little bit this 
change from you know ad roll to being next roll that you uh, that you rolled out at the end of last year. What's kind of the impetus for this for the change? Obviously, you know you mentioned a little bit that um, ad roll was kind of like one thing to one group of people, and you wanted to expand that. But it seems like the offering that you have now. Uh, like you mentioned, you're you're targeting different types of CMOs, uh, different types of marketing leaders and developers, and and all sorts of folks who want kind of that cohesive approach. Yeah. So uh, just taking a step back, you know, the, as I alluded to, the company when I entered in uh, a little over three years ago had uh, a, a larger vision and had been evolving to becoming uh, more than a performance advertising point solution that we really saw marketing and advertising technology starting to collide together. We had our customer base that was increasingly um, overwhelmed with, with all the different uh, platforms and systems that they were using. They were struggling with unifying their data, unifying their channels, unifying their measurement. Um, so we saw a really significant opportunity to start to, to, to really expand the capabilities on our platform. And we've been hard at work at that. And I'll talk more about that later in the show. Um, the other critical piece was, is is that, you know, we had, um, organically really grown about a quarter of our revenue. Um, uh, we had originally started out as a focus on direct to consumer, but had organically grown our revenue, uh, into the, the B2B sector. Um, and, and as I was saying, we had about a quarter of our revenue coming from, from that customer segment. And what we were finding is, is that, um, a one size fits all platform really didn't work that we had customers that while we were selling into marketing organizations, um, their needs were really starting to become divergent. Uh, um, and while we could use the same kind of underlying base uh, core technology and capabilities or core platform, if you will, but it was really critical for us to start to go deeper and, and provide more specific capabilities to our direct-to-consumer customer base and to our B2B customer base. And that's what led us to launch a specific operating or business unit um, called Rollworks that is, uh, you know, 100% standalone, has its own P&L, own product design and engineering, sales organization, et cetera, et cetera, focus on the B2B marketers. Um, so, you know, you now had a, a situation where the AdRoll brand uh, really didn't apply to, to, to who we were as a company any longer. Um, and paralleling that, as I said before, we were having increasing number of companies that were starting to just leverage our APIs and build their own capabilities off of off of our core base platform. Um, so we've been on this evolution. Um, we launched Rollworks, uh, as I said, uh, almost two years ago. And, um, uh, you know, in late last year, we felt like it was really time for us to start to have a, a new brand in market that's told that allowed us to tell kind of the bigger story about the company, both in terms of the platform capabilities, as well as um, the fact that we were had uh, different brands in market ultimately. So that's what led to us to launch the next role brand. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, it's one of the things that, you know, on this show, we have all sorts of different guests from B2B to D2C to uh, many other acronyms in between <laughs> that probably all rhyme. Um, but it is like this clear delineation where you have kind of like the base level skills for a marketer and then you have 
all of these other, you know, being customer centric and, and things like that, uh, you know, understanding your customer journey, all of those kind of like building blocks, but the actual skills required to build a marketing team for these type of companies is so different. And the, the amount of complexity between the platforms and channels and everything is, I mean, truly builds in complexity every single year uh, to the point where it kind of seems like there are just so many options. It, it makes sense to me why you would kind of split those two things. Um, and, and I'm curious, we'll start with D2C. What were some of the insights that you have been seeing from like what D2C marketers, like how are they different? How are the things that they require, um, you know, unique and, and uh, differentiated? Yeah, it's it's a really great question, Ian, and, and I think you're spot on that um, the 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 sort of how, the, the the needs and and uh, the componentry that's required um, starts to become fairly divergent when you go deeper into direct to consumer and B two B. Let me start with though, there are some real similarities, and it's one of the reasons why um, we're super excited about our. Uh, uh, our model, which is, is that, as, as I said before, the one uh, aspect, or I should say the three aspects of that are similar across both direct-to-consumer and B2B marketers is this need to unify data, unify channels, and then unify measurement. But when you start to then uh, unpack within each of those areas is where it does become very different and, and not even just nuanced, but, you know, uh, very different. So, the the types of data that need to be unified, the different systems that that data is coming from. So, for instance, in B two B, you know, um, uh, there's a big usage of like CRM systems and marketing automation systems, um, things of that nature. Where those types of systems uh, tend to be very different in a direct to consumer uh, type environment. So, um, whereas in direct to consumer, you have like e commerce platforms. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of other different systems that, that you need to, to uh, tie together. So, so that's, that's, that's one there. Then as you move into um, uh, areas like the different channels they operate in uh, and then in the measurement. So for channels, you know, like events, for instance, is really big for uh, B2B marketers and not as big for direct-to-consumer, right? The conversion paths tend to be, um, a lot more complicated and lengthy for B2B uh, and, and figuring out, um, you know, if, if you touch someone at an event and they saw an ad and you sent them an email uh, and a direct mail drop and things like that, you know, that may be a three or four month uh, cycle before you actually close the deal in, in uh, B2B. Whereas in direct consumer, you know, there tends to be uh, um, less consideration, faster purchase cycles, things of that nature. Um, so all of those things uh, uh, require different um, operating systems on some level. So again, being able to use the same kind of base underlying um, uh, capabilities, but how those capabilities are manifested start to become quite divergent um, on a go forward basis. And uh, that was something that we really recognized. And if you were to go into the Rollworks platform and the Admiral platform, they would feel very different uh, to you in terms of uh, a lot of the capabilities. Um, uh, however, if you took a bigger step back, you would say, wow, well, they actually are kind of doing the same thing for the marketer, but just in a very 
um, uh, vertical focus or segment focus, if you will. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Ultimately, you know, it's like the classic, um, yeah, I think people are, are talking about more now, you know, the, the B to H sort of thing, right? It's like, it's always a human at the end of the transaction. It's just like, you know, a bigger price or a, or a different sort of thing. You know, your stakeholders might be your family or your friends or whatever versus your colleagues or finance or IT or, or whatever. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think that that is ultimately true that you have to get to the root understanding of why people are buying your service or what they're looking for rather than, um, you know, kind of just shoving features at them, which is probably what all marketers are looking for. But at the same time, you know, part of this is that, you know, reach is a commodity now. Like it, it's really, really expensive, but it is a commodity. We more or less know we can reach everybody in some way. It's just really expensive. Whereas, you know, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Um, I'm curious, like, how does that kind of f- frame your thinking about like the next phase for CMOs uh, and marketing leaders? Uh, knowing that the price in which you reach people is now more of the the metric that you need to optimize towards versus figuring out the right channel to to maybe reach the right person, if that makes sense. It, it absolutely does. I mean, this is why the rise of, of machine learning is so critical. And I'll give you a, a great stat, which is, is like, um, and I, I don't have it in front of me exactly uh, the, the study that this came from, um, but, uh, but, but the study uh, looked at um, the ROI of personalization. What it found was is that for every dollar invested in personalization, you got a 20x return on that. Um, and so it really, it speaks to, the importance of um, being uh, precise in, in how you allocate your dollars. And if you think about it in B2B, it is uh, particularly when you have like long sales cycles um, and while they have uh, different types of companies who are part of your target account list, you know, where they are in their buying cycle is pretty critical. I mean, you, you don't want to allocate a lot of dollars towards uh, personas within a target account that may be six months away from actually ready to buy, right? You may say, well, I need to allocate, you know, a certain percentage just to make sure that we remain on their radar and, and as they get closer to the buying cycle that we are uh, part of the consideration set. Whereas if you know a company is uh, really close to uh, and, and uh, ready to make a, a purchase, well, then you want to be more heavied up with your allocation and your dollars, right? Because you're likely to get a higher ROI. So the, the usage of data and machine learning um, has now become so uh, important within a marketer's um, uh, tool bag or arsenal, if you will. And that's an area that, uh, as a company, we've been hyper-focused on. So if you think about, you know, pretty much it, 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 those capabilities kind of underlie um, our, our entire platforms uh, or our two platforms that we offer uh, ultimately. Um, so you're exactly right. It, it, it is, we live in an age now where um, it's not just about, about reach, it's about precision. I love that 20x stat. I'm, uh, we'll have to try to find it and run it. Yeah, down. I'll, I'll uh, as a follow-up, Ian, I'll, I'll send that over to you. It's like one of those things, of course, right? 
Like, um, I think that that's a lesson that we've kind of been talking about on marketing trends for a long time is like niche down into your, uh, into your audience, into your segments, into those sort of things and help your, your customers differentiate themselves as much as possible. Do you think that there are things that you're seeing best practices in personalization right now that are kind of at the cutting edge and you, and, and maybe this is a good time to talk AI and machine learning and, and expand on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- this is an area that as I alluded to that uh, I think is, is really become a uh, cornerstone for uh, good marking is, and, and by the way, that doesn't preclude uh, or, or diminish the importance of, of smart creative, right? I mean, you have to break through the clutter. You have to, um, and it really is a combination, but, uh, and I hate to be cliche, but figuring out, um, you know, the, the, the right time to show the right message, uh, is, is it, it really does work. And, and we've seen that time and time again, it's sort of the underpinnings of, of, uh, our entire uh, philosophy of being as a company. I think that machine learning and AI um, are now starting to permeate into lots of different aspects of, of the marketing stack. I mean, we use it from everything to figure out um, and be predictive on segmentation uh, at the front end. So as we learn more about how uh, certain activities are impacting uh, conversion or sales or important engagement signals, um, we're able to then have uh, the ability to make smart segments on the front end um, all the way through. If you think about, you know, like uh, not only understanding high value uh, customers or uh, but also customers that are getting ready to churn or customers that you can upsell at a certain time or the types of products that you should upsell. Right. So there's there's uh, just kind of a stage setting of, of um, uh, understanding customer segmentation. Then there's machine learning applied to figuring out the right timing uh, and the right channel and environment and budgets that should be used within different channels. Uh, machine learning is applied. Um, and then on the, uh, finally on all the way on the, the, the measurement side is machine learning is really important to sort of data driven models, the understanding attribution um, and things like that. So uh, machine learning now really is, uh, I think, for smart marketers, they think about how to leverage it across the entire customer journey, you know, from first touch all the way through to, to attribution. Well, one of the things that we found for this show and, and our other shows is that when you're pushing towards like value add or whatever you want to call it, uh, just content that is helpful and, and relevant it's a much easier road to hoe than just like pushing products and features. Obviously this is, we're talking like B2B on this sort, on this side. Um, you know, if you're talking about D2C stuff, I, it, you know, um, if you're selling belts, like a little bit, you know, harder to create content about like, you know, the benefits of keeping your pants up or something. But um, on the B2B side, like we see these sort of things, that are much more beneficial pushing towards content than just pushing like ads. Cause most CIOs or CFOs or whatever are not, are not going to buy a, you know, hundred million dollar over a 10 year, you know, investment uh, technology product and implementation based off of just, you know, seeing ads circulated to them. So like, how do you kind of view 
that sophisticated buyer that has, you know, a ton of different data points and things that they need in their process and how to surround that person with the type of things that they need to, to make a, a buying decision. I think that's exactly right. I mean, our view of it and it's is that it's an and strategy. Um, and one of the things that uh, our system is able to do is, is to really understand the efficacy of the different ways in which that you're uh, um, touching the prospective uh, customer. So in B2B, it's, it's as I was talking about before also, it's understanding where the, uh, the prospect is in their buying journey, who the decision makers are, what are uh, the, the, the sort of uh, key signals that you're getting about where they are um, in terms of their buying cycle. Um, and, you know, our, our view of our platform is, is it's all about bringing sales and marketing together, uh, right? Because if you're just running a, a marketing campaign against a set of target accounts, that is different than what your sales organization is doing, that may be different than what your event organization, like that coordination is super critical. Um, and so the whole uh, point of an account-based platform is to have that sort of singular view of, of uh, how all those are working together um, and then send those signals back out to the various organizations so that they can have a coordinated effort. Um, so it may be that, ads aren't uh, having uh, the impact that events and um, uh, you know, white papers are, or that, hey, you have a prospect that is clearly uh, gearing up to make a decision, and we do want to make sure that we stay front and center, so running some ad campaign is really helpful, and, and you know, running ad campaigns where you're able to deliver specific kinds of messaging relative to what you think is going to resonate with uh, the, the prospect, right? This is where that personalization piece comes in. Um, so it's, it's being really sophisticated, Ian, uh, and, and that's with the beauty of, of uh, account-based platforms is, is that, um, and, and the Rollworks platform in particular, is, is that we're really able to deliver on that in a meaningful way. I want to go into the, uh, the Wayback Machine a little bit um, because I think it kind of shapes how we look at you know, marketing today to look at some of the things that you were working on earlier in your career. And I'm curious, so when you were making, you know, X plus one or Adapt TV or, or whichever, it seemed like you were really focused on kind of that like zero to one sort of solution where you have people that need to reach a market or, you know, the combining of resources or the combining of channels, the, the combining of distribution to make it really easy for a marketer to reach their target audience versus now where there are so many different channels and different sort of things. Um, I, I would just be curious, like, you know, in those early companies, what were those conversations like with marketers um, when you were kind of sharing these new things? It's funny because Lauren um, Vaccarello, former... Uh, she was formerly at AdRoll and obviously is, is a co-host of Marketing Trends uh, when she's not surfing. You know, we used to talk about AdRoll stuff, you know, back and how, you know, part of the reason why she was so, so excited to join is like the impact that she could have with marketers was like huge in, in those early days because there just wasn't as much stuff out there. Um, so, yeah, I'm just curious, like, how does the, how did the mindset change or what was it like back then? 
going back to why I continue to be excited, you know, I, I loved the what technology could do and uh, and have always been uh, fascinated with the the notion of disruption. Um, and so, uh, while I'm not always in other industries, I'm certainly a student of watching disruption in other industries. The, the thing that, uh, you know, we were doing back at X plus one and then uh, carrying into Adapt TV, the focus was, you know, so there were two underlying uh, areas that I think were massively disrupted. One was um, the notion of, of uh, starting down the path. And I think we're way more advanced today than we were then uh, in, in getting to this notion of one-to-one marketing, right? Uh, that, that, that would, that was huge moving from, you know, kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, doing these major blasts out and hoping that you're hitting some segment of the population that you think uh, would buy your product to being much more precision oriented. So that was one uh, element. And I, I think we've made a lot more advancements in the last, you know, five to seven years. The other was automation. Uh, and that was the part that in the early days was probably the most exciting was is that you had a, a hundred year old industry that was, you know, hyper focused on continuing to use fax machines and paper and handshakes to operate. And all of a sudden, like you could have computers talking to each other and things happening in real time. And it, and it was, it was, it's super exciting um, back in those days. Um, and then with Adopt TV, we were really uh, uh, focused on creating, you know, a marketplace, which was also, you know, like a whole newfangled uh, uh, area. Um, now, all of that with the backdrop of just making precision uh, come to life more. The thing that Admiral, and, and you know, I, I appreciate because uh, I have the same feeling that Lauren did about Admiral. Admiral not only was focused on those things, but it was also focused on bringing those capabilities um, uh, to the small and mid-sized companies that, um, you know, historically had not had access to that kind of technology. Because a lot of what we were building in the companies I was at was for like big brands and big agencies. And here Admiral was just saying, hey, we're going to democratize, we're going to level the playing field and enable uh, all these small and mid-sized companies to be able to compete effectively uh, against these companies. And by the way, that is like, that is our mission. That is uh, who we are as a company is to level the playing field on behalf of ambitious D2C and B2B brands. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been super exciting. And I would say, you know, today where we are is really continuing to build off of uh, the uh, sort of the, those base frameworks. I think what, what, what's also important about kind of where we are today and, and you know, uh, jumping into the, the present day machine, if you will, is, is that, you know, the, so the upside was is that there was all this innovation that happened over the last 20 years. The downside is, is like you just have the proliferation of different tools and platforms and point solutions and all of this that now overwhelm marketers and to the point where uh, it can actually be inefficient uh, in terms of how they have to operate. So what we're actually starting to see is kind of a re-aggregation onto singular platforms um, that bring a lot of these capabilities together. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, uh, only going to be one platform, that these platforms aren't open and other companies kind of build on them. Um, but that's kind of the, what I would see as like the next uh, um, uh, wave that's happening now, uh, which is a whole new uh, sort of set of innovations about how do we start to think about all of these different channels in a more holistic way and they operate um, in concert with one another, whereas right now they're all sort of operating in silos.
Well, yeah. So, and then it, the the elephant in the room, the two elephants in the room is that, you know, 80% of advertising goes to Google and Facebook. So if that's the case, and if that's the status quo right now, does that remain the case for a long time? Does that change? How does that change? Um, because, I, you know, to your point about the D2C brands, part of the thing that was so advantageous for those type of companies with the rise of of Facebook and um, and Google was that they could now compete for certain things that they never could have before because they could you know use different keywords or um, or you know segment in a different way or whatever it was. Um, but then as those grew, you know, larger advertisers come into the mix, and then uh, it's you know not quite back to square one. But um, the other piece with that is. It's just easier for marketers, and I'll say the slightly less sophisticated marketers, um, to just spend more money with Facebook and Google every day, even though that might not be in their best interest. It's just easier. Um, so how do we kind of break the mold of helping marketers spend their money more wisely rather than just what is easier? Because time is money, and if it takes you less time, then you know, that's not a, necessarily a bad investment. Yep. So a couple of things on that. One is, is that uh, exactly your last point. I, I don't think Facebook and Google are, are necessarily bad. Uh, I think that they can be um, challenging. Oh, not at all. They're, they're yeah. great. I'm just, no, yeah. No, I just mean, uh, I, I think that, you know, there's this like us versus them that happens. And, you know, we, and I'm going to get into a little more detail, like sort of how we think about those so I think that's one. I think the other, just a, uh, it's not 80%, it's actually 60%, it's 60% of ad dollars. And then if you actually break that uh, digital ad dollars, to be really clear. And then if you break that down a little further though, Ian, like the, the Google one is a little misleading because a lot of companies like us actually buy in the Google exchanges and other environments. Um, so yes, they do get those dollars, but they're getting those dollars through our platform. Um, and quite frankly, we send dollars into the Facebook platform as well. Um, so so the, the, the stats can be mildly misleading. Um, the other point I think is important is, is like within the digital uh, advertising bucket, you know, 40% of $160 billion uh, TAM is still, and that's still growing. It's pretty good, um, you know, because there's just fewer companies now that are playing. And you're seeing companies uh, like the Trade Desk and others that are uh, 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 being successful. Um, it's from our point of view, though, you know, as we've expanded uh, into other channels, so um, just so you're also, so clear, like email is a, is a growing and bigger channel for us. Um, we also are starting to connect into other channels like direct mail. Um, uh, and then, you know, a lot of the other walled gardens uh, that are popping up, the Pinterest snaps, um, uh, Twitters of the world and things like that are becoming really uh, critical. Um, and uh, anyway, so we're, we really are, are looking at through the lens of like we're an enabler uh, into different channels, uh, ultimately of which, oh, and by the way, LinkedIn is a big one for, uh, B2B. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it, we, we, we don't see this as this is sort of like this vortex. And when we think about sort of threats to our business, we actually don't think of Google and Facebook as, as big threats. They are, uh, to your point, there are certain 
um, brand that makes sense for them to kind of heavy up. Um, but the, the companies that we tend to work with are ones that are using kind of multiple channels, um, are a little, uh, uh, and, and they're interested in sort of understanding their customers. Uh, they're interested in understanding measurement across channels. They're interested in leveraging email. Um, so, uh, long winded way of saying we're, we're pretty diversified at, at this stage of the game. Um, and, uh, those two uh, behemoths, um, while they're certainly large and, and impactful, um, they're not the, like I would say for the company, you know, 10 years ago, they were much bigger threats than they are today. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't even mean from a, um, you know, necessarily competitive standpoint. I mean, marketing trends, the podcast is agnostic. Uh, <laughs> but I, what I mean is more about if our goal is to make marketers better, to spend their money more wisely uh, and to to leverage opportunities and be opportunistic, then I think spending more money with Google or Facebook may or may not be the right call. I just mean that like we're seeing, we see the rise of like a lot of MarTech and different sort of things like that. Um, but what Facebook and Google have allowed us to do is, like I said, just be like slightly lazier. Like if they're the casino and there's no clocks on the wall, then, um, you know, and you're playing $25 limit blackjack. Okay. This is a great example. You're playing, you know, you're playing, you know, $15 limit blackjack and then they make it up to now it's up to 20 and now it's up to 25. I could walk across the street where they have $5 blackjack but I already have my seat and I don't know if there's going to be a seat open over there or whatever, even though it's way more advantageous to go across the street. And kind of my thing is like, if we're trying to be good stewards of like, what can marketers do to optimize their spend and, and create high yield opportunities, then I think that, you know, leveraging th different tools and figuring out what is, the right way for your company is really exciting to me. And I like how you're positioning and saying that, you know, being an enabler of finding the right thing is, is what you all kind of want to do. Yeah. And, and I, you know, what's interesting uh, along those lines, and I agree, I mean, there are absolutely going to be some uh, uh, companies that, that are lazy. Although uh, I'll tell you when they stop getting lazy is when they see CPMs, uh, um, you know, on Facebook uh, starting to rise or they see that uh, um, they don't control or have relationships with their customers anymore because, you know, those platforms are starting to, to move into that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot being written and talked about and, and we, we, we even see uh, customers who sort of have a backlash because uh, they get nervous about, you know, being able to control their destiny on a go forward basis or, as I was saying, you know, Facebook become prohibitively expensive because you've got, uh, you know, if you're in the D2C world, you've got now the big brands who are starting to trying to act like yeah. uh, the up and coming brands that are starting to spend into Facebooks. And, you know, so they're driving up prices for the same uh, prospects that you were able to get at half the cost, you know, a year ago kind of thing. So the, now it's forcing those uh, D2C brands to look at different ways in which they're operating. So, all fascinating stuff, uh, for sure. And, and we, you know, we, we've seen where a year, year and a half, two years ago, Facebook was like all the rage for all of our customers. Now they're becoming a lot wearier of that. 
What's your favorite ad campaign that you've worked on or one of your favorites in your career? I wish I had had some time to think that through. You know, I'm not a super creative guy, Ian. I'm a tech guy. Um, it's not to say I don't appreciate. <laughs> well, you, so many have been on your platform, though. You know, the various platforms that you've created, uh, billions and billions and billions of dollars in revenue. Here's my easy answer. Here's my easy escape. I love all of our customers the same, so I could never call one out as being better than another. How about one in the wild that you were jealous of? I feel like the Rollworks team uh, did a really good job recently, but that would sound too uh, like I'm uh, chest beating. Uh, no, that's okay. I, you can share that one. Well, that one was really good. We we uh, were a, a uh, had a presence and did a, a sponsorship at B two B conference uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, the team did two things I thought were really cool. One is is that they took a uh, you know, kind of a, a risk and they had this whole concept called insanity. Um, and the whole idea was, is that, you know, uh, all the B2B marketers kind of do the same thing. And if you're always doing the same thing, uh, you're going to get the same results and, um, you know, kind of really, uh, pushing the envelope and getting people to, to, to say, you know, it's kind of provocative, I guess is a better way to say it. And then all of the, um, aspects around it. So they had like t-shirts that said, you know, this is a uh, marketing swag, you know, obligatory marketing swag uh, on that. And they did like air fresheners rather than, you know, kind of pens or so, you know what I mean? They, they like totally uh, tried to mix it up and had a whole bunch of fun things around that. And they actually used our platform for the entire uh, uh, campaign as well, which, which it was uh, exciting to see, you know, we're kind of drinking our own champagne. So I thought that was that was really clever and 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 fun. Um, but as we go through this, I'll, I'll try and rattle my brain of other ones that I've seen. Uh, it's not that I don't don't pay attention to them um, uh, at all, but uh, I, I have I guess I have to confess is, is that um, I see so many of these that it's, it's always hard to remember one that's like that one really jumped out. You know, it's always funny because I, I ask the question a lot, but um, I never kind of get asked it myself. But I will say one of the ones that I was like thoroughly impressed by recently was the Mandalorian and how well Disney plus promoted that show. Um, because it felt like maybe it was just cause it was talking to me. Cause I, I super liked the show. Uh, but it just felt like it was everywhere and, and it was cool. And it was like ads I actually enjoyed watching. Yeah. And that's kind of the sweet spot where you're like, man, if you can follow like it's just so hard to get video ads in front of. We should do a whole episode with you in the future just on video because you have so much experience with it. Uh, and uh, and the the entire pivot to video thing, which uh, has had many iterations at this point, but yeah. it's just so hard to get videos in front of people that they actually enjoy and aren't bugged by at this point. So um, yeah, maybe that's a whole separate episode. It's funny. I, I, I'm trying to remember the Mandalorian. I, it was a great show. Um, but I, I uh, and I didn't remember seeing it. I, I don't remember uh, um, that they had some clever way they were marketing or not. Uh, but yeah, I don't either. That's yeah. the funny thing. I, that's why yeah. I felt like I was getting served ads for it like every day. And I don't know if it was <laughs> just PR or what. And like, that's like one of those, you know, I mean, it pays to be Disney, but um but I, I talked about it a little bit on the show in the past, but just like what a brilliant 
thing, you're launching this thing, this this new service that everyone is clearly going to be interested in if you're in the demographic. And then, oh, by the way, we have this super cool character that we're going to explore in a brand new Star Wars thing. Like, it's just what a what a one two punch. Uh, and you know, they they know a few things about marketing, but uh, I just I always think that stuff like that is really interesting because what would tech company for example, would do a product launch and like a really cool piece of content launch at the same time, right? Right. Uh, I'd be like, why would you do both? But uh, but it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I know they're one; they're very related. But but it is the same sort of thing, right? Uh, there's two sides of the same coin there, where you know you have to split the the budget promoting those two things. So, anywho, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. All right, let's get into our lightning round questions. These questions, Toby, they're fast and easy. So uh, nothing like the big whoppers you've been getting so far. Um, our lightning round is brought to you, as always, by Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about the amazing work that they're doing. They bring marketing and engagement together. Check them out. We love Salesforce since the very beginning of Marketing Trends, and you will too. Lightning round questions. Toby, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? It's probably not my most fun per se, but probably one that uh, I, I do enjoy is ticking off. I use the new Microsoft to do. Uh, so ticking things off my to do list, Ian. That is, that is definitely fun. <laughs> what is your hidden talent or passion? I don't know if, uh, talent, but I'm uh, passionate about uh, health and exercise. What is your favorite podcast, book? TV show that you've read or listened to or watched recently? You know, the book that has been uh, really impactful of late is called Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. Hmm. I haven't checked. I didn't know that he came out with a new book. That sounds yeah. great. What is your favorite thing to cook or eat? Well, my favorite thing to cook and my favorite thing to eat are two separate things. My favorite thing to cook is I do a very delicious and I do it almost every morning omelet with uh, spinach and other vegetables. Um, but to eat, uh, I would say my wife has, has recently discovered how to make uh, plant-based hamburger. Sounds uh, bizarre, but we've gone all plant-based. So we've been on this interesting journey around culinary delights that are outside of meat. What is your best advice for a first-time CEO? I would say uh, that it is surround yourself with really, really talented people. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? Well, as a CEO, nobody ever asked me how I'm doing, Ian. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to make sure that I that I ask all the CEOs that we have on. Our various shows, how they're doing. That's a great one. That's it. That's all we got. Any final thoughts? Anything to plug? Everybody can uh, can just go to nextroll.com. Check out all the things that we're talking about. If you're D2C, check out AdRoll. If you're B2B, check out Rollworks. And uh, and some great content on the site, might I add. Uh, Thank some you. Some cool ABM stuff and an ABM guide uh, that people can check out. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah. We've been uh, pushing hard on, on providing... Uh, helpful content for customers and prospects alike. So, uh, or just folks that are interested in learning more about 
account-based marketing or uh, uh, direct-to-consumer marketing. So yeah, check check out adwell.com, rollworks.com, nextroll.com. Ian, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining. Talk soon. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.